In terms of our outlook on life, I just, you know, I know through Christ's experience as well that suffering is, is often a vehicle for, for beauty and for greater things. And yeah, it's always a nostalgic thing when you go through them and you look back. At the time, you don't always feel that way. But I, I think, you know, I wouldn't certainly change anything that's happened because it is, you know, it's part of who we are today and, and uh, we're richer for it. I'm Teresa Hudson, coordinator of the Community Information Centre in Townsville. And for this episode of Brave, I'm with Brad Whittle, who is an officer with the Salvation Army. The Salvos came into Brad's life when he was 12 years old. The support, community and connection to faith that the organisation provides has constantly brought him back as a committed member and he's now dedicated his life to passing that forward. This episode of Brave was produced across the lands of the Bindal and Woolgarugaba people. The Townsville Community Information Centre acknowledges the traditional custodians of this land and pays respect to elders past and present. What's your job role at Salvation Army? My job at the moment is I'm a manager of Townsville Recovery Services, which is a drug and alcohol service that the Salvos run. But I'm also part of the community centre out at Beck Drive. I'm the team member out there as well. And when was your first time that you came into contact with Salvation Army? Yeah, so um, when I was younger at school, I had a, a music teacher at Carriage Primary School, I'm a Townsville boy, and uh, he basically invited me to some of the musical sections and the kids' activities that the Salvos were running at the time. So when I was around 12 years old, I went along to those activities, and that kind of was my first yeah, induction to who the Salvos were. And for me, it was a space of you know uh, enjoyment and fun and, and friendship. It was great. Um, yeah, music was a, a key part of my life back then too, which is awesome. What did you play? I play a trombone. So I still play it, but uh, not as often as I used to. And uh, yeah, trombone is probably my main instrument. That's fantastic. So your parents divorced when you were younger. Did you find refuge within the Salvation Army at all or was that around the same time that you got introduced to Salvation Army? Yeah it was a few it was a few years later but um, in, in our family context you know that we had a loving family I had a great childhood looking back but certainly there was tension in the home and um, yeah mum and dad um, separated when I was about 15 and at that time yeah I had uh, different networks of support and the Salvos were a key network for me it was like a surrogate family in some ways and church family and, and supports that I had there was fantastic. Mm. Salvation Army plays a big role around faith mm. um, for what they, their messages they put out. Yeah. What has faith done for you in your life growing up? Yeah, definitely. Look, I, I never really had an active faith when I was younger, but around the age of 12 when I connected with the Salvos, um, yeah, it probably started that journey for me. And uh, faith for me is central to all of life. You know, my relationship with God and, and Jesus Christ is... Um, definitely not just what what I know but but who I am and it's been integral in in my life integral in, in helping me cope through different seasons and certainly in in the roles that I'm involved in now and, and how I relate to people it's central to everything I am hmm. when you were introduced to Salvation Army at that young age did you know then that that was a pathway into that organization and, and what they do is where you wanted to go uh, or did it did it come back later in life yeah no look I think pretty much since I've first been connected I've always been connected in some way so initially it was through youth activities and then my involvement in the church as part of my life um, shortly after um, university I was working in a government role and um, just was seeking God's guidance I guess and the guidance of mentors and supports that I had about what what my future would involve and 
I think within a couple of weeks of praying that or, or consulting with people, I was approached by uh, another person independently of all of that to work in the rehab at the time. So I just saw that as a door that was opening at a, at a kind of crossroads in, in life where I was seeking what next. And even though I was pretty new to drug and alcohol work, I um, stepped through it. And yeah, so that trajectory took me on a 10-year journey at the rehab uh, as, as team leader. And, and then from that journey, um, we were called to be to become officers from the Salvation Army, which is similar to what a minister might be in other denominations. Yeah. Mm. The, the rehab centre is around drug and alcohol rehab. Yep. You've never had any personal experiences that have drawn you to that type of work, have you? Or No, not, not, not directly. I mean, I've probably been connected to people who had that experience in the past as well. Mm. Because do you that. find that a lot of people who draw to that work are people who have had personal experiences and then they want to help people going forward? Definitely. I think lived experience, whether it's drug and alcohol or people that are impacted by mental health needs as well, I think lived experience is such a valuable thing. And and whilst I wasn't, um, you know, ever consumed or, or had to deal with substance abuse issues, uh, I think there's many other experiences that sort of added to that experience for me. But when I was in my early 20s, I, um, I got quite sick. So part of my university journey was um, involved having to take time off from university eventually. And I, I had a syndrome called Cushing's syndrome. And that yeah. was, yeah, it took a while for that to be diagnosed. And they were trying to figure out where this carcinoid tumor was located in my body. And eventually. So, tumor and Cushing's, is that, were they the same? They linked or? Yeah, so Cushing's is just a, the, the nature of the condition itself, but it's caused by usually a, a, a tumor somewhere in your body. And this was a carcinoid tumor in my lung. And um, yeah, I had to go through a whole process, even pre op, to get my hormones down to be, um, to be safe enough to operate on. And. Yeah, so that was a, a journey when I was in my early 20s at the time. And um, it's interesting. When you're when most you get, of being your prime and, and yeah, you, living. Yeah, you, you kind of take life for granted a bit. So you're playing sport, you're active at uni, you just, you know, it, life is what it is. And then um, I just noticed I wasn't as fit or as active as I could be. And I thought I was just unfit. So you push in even harder and it's just your body starts to make changes that you're trying to figure out what's mm. happening. And uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to have a great specialist and. A great team and um, when they operated and took out most of my left lung um, I was told that I'd need post-op treatment as well they were they were concerned um, but it's for me it's it's just that faith journey as well that I've um, had tests since that time and there's been no residual effects for me um, so yeah the miracle of modern science and and God himself directly I'm just uh, kind of walking and a healing and yeah life's life's good i don't think i have quite the fitness or quite the breath control these days with the trombone as, as you once did but uh yeah that would impact the trombone too yeah yeah you kind of it becomes normal so it's hard to contrast what was and what is now but um yeah look really i'm not inhibited in any significant way at all and that's just uh, an incredible experience for me and yeah often often the making it isn't it life itself when you when you face challenges it's such a an important time to grow and to to be refined and yeah, to rise above or journey mm. through. So that was a great season for me, even though it was unexpected and, and hard at the time. That would have been tough in your early 20s, but you were with your partner at that stage. Yeah, I think we were, we were probably just on the verge of, of maybe meeting each other. So it might have been actually just prior to us kind of meeting, yeah. um, but certainly, you know, shortly after that, we'd, we'd met and got What a together. test to the relationship straight at the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... Um, yeah, I mean, Helen's an incredible partner, an incredible wife uh, back then, an incredible support as well. So, yeah, it was a key space for me to have that support in her. Yeah. Mm. You mentioned before that you um, have been to un- you went to university after yeah. school. What did you study at university? 
So I, I started embarking on law. Actually, at the, at the time I was overseas, um, just with friends, and uh, got the the results back, and I got into law. Um, but I think after six to twelve months, I just felt that it kind of wasn't for me. It was a little bit adversarial and in nature. And again, talked to yeah, some... yeah, I can't see you as a lawyer. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> talk, talk to some friends, and uh, yeah, they recommended a pathway towards social work. So that's when I began that pathway. And yeah, yeah, I definitely think social work. And that pathway of that supporting people is your calling. Yeah, it was a great fit. And I think even in the context of the law, definitely that social justice aspect of what you can do to advocate and represent people would be my passion. Uh, but certainly social work fits a, a really good you know, pathway in that sense for mm. me. We at the Community Information Centre, we um, take on master students for social work. And quite often they come in and we say, where do you want to go with your degree? And they're stuck at that the social work studies takes you to child safety. Mm. So for you, I'm guessing it's opened up your eyes where you've gone. It's not just child safety. Oh, definitely. There's, there's such a multifaceted pathway, really. I think social work's a good grounding degree for, for many opportunities in, in human services or other industries. Um, I think at university I had the chance to connect with the Youth Justice Service and um, Townsville Community Legal Service. They were, they were key areas for me in placements. Um, but very much through through the social justice aspect of who the Salvos are and, and the heart of Christ in the world and hand, you know heart to God, hand to man. Um, yeah, for me, even that faith-centric, holistic view of the world and how, how my passion for, for helping people, um, yeah, they, they kind of match up really well. So, yeah, it was mm. good to have those varied experiences and yeah and even though you mentioned you had a government role too and that was where you were able to use your degree as well or yeah. was that yeah yeah definitely yeah helping young teenagers in the youth justice system yeah for a while mm -hmm. your wife you're married yes where yeah. did you meet so we met at university um she was also part of the salvation army a uh, part of the church um came from charters towers to townsville for university so that's where we kind of connected and yeah shortly after she arrived in town we've kind of been friends and 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 um, yeah together ever since really and children we have a little daughter called hetty uh she was uh, definitely a miracle for us a gift to us and hetty's now well she's turning four in january so she's a, a delightful little girl and you know we certainly have high hopes for her Mm. Yeah. You mentioned it was a journey or she's a miracle for you guys. Has that been a journey for you to become parents? Yes. Yeah, it has been. So we, um, yeah, we, we, I think we'd been trying to have kids for some time and we were, we were doing fostering as well. And, um, life was pretty active. Life was good. And we're busy in the community here in Townsville and, um, yeah, it just wasn't happening for us. And, uh, I, I think these days it's not necessarily an uncommon thing, but we went through the, the motions of getting tested and trying to figure out what was what was the basis of the, the struggle that we were having and eventually it landed with um yeah there was just stuff with me that i couldn't have children basically mm. just biologically i wasn't able to have children so then you try and figure out how to navigate that and um yeah it was interesting time for us because you again you're making these assumptions yeah. in life you're just gonna at some point have a family this is what it's going to look like and so yeah that was certainly tough uh, as a person but also tough as a couple for us. Yeah. I totally resonate with that. And like when my husband and I went through it yeah. and to find out when it's you, you just feel like I, you know, I felt very devastated. Um, how was that for you in that? Yeah. I, I remember, I just remember pulling off, off the road, trying to process and understand that news and what that meant. And, um, 
yeah, so, so very much, you know, you're kind of calling out to God and just having a sense of what does this mean and where to from here and how do you. But, yeah, I was. I was I was gutted. It was, mm. you know, you, you kind of have that mental recognition and then your emotions are trying to catch up, I think, and, and make sense of it as well. Um, but but through it all, um, you know, there was no, certainly no pressure in the relationship. It was just one of support and love and understanding and, and that was really important for me, I think, at the time too and us as a couple, you know that um, you know something greater is at play here and, and how do we navigate this together that was really the emphasis yeah, yeah it's, it's important isn't it like when we talk about resilience it's it's not about actually having all the ability yourself to in- just continue to increase your capacity I think that's part of it at times through life's experiences but more often than not it's about the quality of our connections um, whether it's faith connections whether it's relationships with with people in your life um, connection i think is kind of foundational to any resilience that we may choose to embrace or embark on mm. yeah it's definitely not an easy journey to go through but no, um no. yeah one that's obviously had a positive outcome for you with a beautiful little girl definitely look um yeah look in terms of our outlook on life i just you know i know through christ's experience as well that suffering is is often a vehicle for for beauty and for greater things and and that's certainly our, our worldview and our outlook when we when we when we have those seasons and yeah it's always a nostalgic thing when you go through them and you look back at the time you don't always feel that way but I, I think you know I wouldn't certainly change anything that's happened in my early 20s I wouldn't change mm. that experience as well because it is you know it's part of who we are today and and uh, we're richer for it definitely yeah I agree you mentioned before your role within Salvation Army about within the rehab yep. clinic. What does that service provide here in Townsville? It's um it's certainly grown through through over the years. Uh, when I first started, it was a, a roughly a thirty bed facility in Townsville in the city. There, predominantly supporting um, adult males in a, in a residential context. Um, now we we provide um, diversity of, of resources and services to, to younger younger people, adults, men and women, uh, outreach teams as well as residential based services. And yeah, it's it's pretty much there for anyone who has a a, a need related to drug and alcohol issues um, and supporting their families as well. And ultimately, they want to help navigate through that issue in their life and learn to be healthy and functional with their habits and their life. Um, yeah, many people. I think coming to that space, suffering different levels of trauma and and struggles themselves in their life, that maybe they've found alternate ways to cope. Um, and then before you know it, it just really starts to consume and take over in every sense of the word. So that's kind of where we, we operate and what we do. Yeah. Mm. You said 30 beds. Is it enough? Well, now we, we, we're fortunate enough to operate many more than that. Um, so it's about 44 and a couple of houses for aftercare supports and TED bed detox. And then we have eight beds for youth as well. I think, I think as a society, we're in a much better place to understand um, the nature of addiction. And fundamentally as well, it's about connection that's, that's important as a pathway for healing for people in that space. But yeah, I think I think as a society we're we're better placed and we're more sensitive and aware, and more responsive. Um, is it enough? I think um, continual resources to help people through their experiences in, in terms of addiction um, is always welcomed. Certainly, diversity of of options is really key. Different people in the trajectory of their lives may need just individual home-based supports or you know outreach supports or residential supports. So I think I think if you're just looking at trying to match treatment responses to people's needs as much as possible that's really the key within any service delivery i think yeah. mm. to access this service is it self-referral what 
what's the process to go through to yeah you to can um, an individual can call up and then they'll make an initial inquiry and then have an assessment process um, or people can advocate on their behalf certainly it's it's a person's initiative or even some some level of motivation to engage or to want to be part of the process of change for them is is important but initially, if people are vulnerable and, and need that support, we would encourage anyone to reach out and make that referral on their behalf in, mm. initially. Yeah. So service delivery through the 2019 floods, like Salvation Army have played a pivotal role in so many ways through those floods. Yeah. Can you talk us through some of those roles that Salvation Army played in the community through the floods? Definitely. So um, different communities will have different expressions of what the salvos do. In Townsville, we're pretty fortunate. We have uh, it's almost like a base for our Salvation Army emergency services teams and, and resources. So they can be mobilised uh, like you said, in, in floods or direct disaster situations, as well as uh, to be mobilised in recovery work as well. So in the 2019 floods, the salvos were called upon to, upon to help feed evac centres and, and respond to different needs in the community. Usually it's in pretty practical ways at that level. And so, yeah, that's what we did for, for several weeks with um, different evac centres. And, uh, and after that, for, for a number of months, we were in post-disaster work at the um the hubs i think they were called back then the community hubs yeah or something. community recovery hubs recovery, I think. Yeah. yeah so we were we were part of many organizations and government they were at those hubs helping people and uh uh we had the, the fortunate uh i guess opportunity to work with the combined churches and again different agencies and, and government uh and, and the rebuild project for townsville Mm. The Human and Social Recovery Task Force group that brought a lot of these agencies together, I think from memory it was at least 30 agencies. Yeah. Um, how important was that through the recovery, do you think? Oh, I think, again, it comes back to that resilience through connection, to be honest. It's just um, we're just better together. And, and often those moments of crisis will mobilise even people's intentions sometimes we don't actually engage in the potential that's there but that's an opportunity or necessity that almost causes us to be inventive and to to make that happen together and it was great just to see agencies coming together and collaborating and, and trying to navigate um, the needs of our community and how we could help people in the best way possible together yeah mm. it, was, it was really important you mentioned the community rebuild project that was a multi-agency um, approach as well um Tell me a little bit about that uh, and Community Information Centre were a part of that project yeah. as well, but yeah. that was one of the lead people case managing that and supporting that was Tamara, your yeah, Salvation Army definitely. staffer. Yeah, look, there were so many valuable people and even Bruce who kind of was a key facilitator headlighting that, but Tamara was um, yeah initially volunteering but employed in the role of a case manager as part of that project. Um, the Salvos were able to auspice funds as well and it just gave us an opportunity to really target those that were often missed. So we we're really looking at filling gaps for people and yeah, whether it was just minor jobs of repair or, or sometimes more significant jobs, the team was there to assess the need and, and uh, make determinations about how to help people and so many different connections were made and we could, we could also tap people into the broader network of supports that were out there. Um, you know, if there were other situations that they, they needed support through, whether it was financial counselling or, or um, the, you know, the pragmatism of living from week to week, even beyond that crisis, um, the Salvos had a chance to be part of that journey with people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then we jumped forward after the floods. What did COVID look like for the Salvation Army and your staff here in Townsville? Yeah, look, I think nationally it's been a real journey like it has for anyone. Um, in Townsville, I think we've been relatively fortunate not to have um, 
you know, the extensive lockdowns that other maybe cities or communities have had. Um, but our frontline services have generally operated um, as normal in the sense that um, we continue to, to help people. But we certainly had to adapt. So we had to adapt in times of lockdown. We had to adapt with um, yeah, regimes of routine, um, spatial issues on our sites, even though we're fortunate at the rehab, it's quite a lot of space there. So we definitely had to modify the use of technology, uh, increase ensuring that staff were protected through that experience as well. So we all, we've all become well-versed in COVID safety plans and, <laughs> and what to do when and, and certainly listening to government you know, announcements and, and their protocols and yeah. basing your decisions around those significantly. Because your funding for the rehab homes, is it federally most of your funding or um, state? Or it's, both? A it's a combination of Commonwealth and, and state funds uh, as well as community-based funds. So certainly Queensland Health feeds into a lot of those protocols as well for us and we're on a journey now with our teams to, to be vaccinated and all that sort of stuff in preparation for when the borders open up and how we operate in that kind of world as well. I'd say in terms of other services across our town, uh, you know, whether it's community centre and, and the church-based activities, a lot, of, a lot of that stuff we kind of had to modify and became very much about pastoral responses to individuals and community when you could during lockdown or telephone calls or online options as well to connect mm -hmm. yeah we, we, it was a pretty different world i think that yeah. season for a few months and did you find it tricky in terms of being funded both both federally and state because with federally funded projects or organizations their approach was national yeah to covid rules and then obviously state were to the state what was happening in yeah. the state yeah. you've got both funding bodies that you had to meet regulations how yeah, did you juggle right. that I, th I think essentially um we probably followed the state-based response uh just because of you know the reality of geography and so there were definitely salvation army um ministry and mission expressions in, in Melbourne and Sydney and, and at times Brisbane that had to adapt differently um, than we would have had in North Queensland. But again, Townsville's been more fortunate than even Brisbane at times, so they've had to adapt to more than yeah. we've had to, yeah. So you mentioned before about being a first officer. What does that look like? So um, so we felt, I think I think I was working at the rehab at the time and, and um, Helen felt called and I, I'd felt that we'd been called for a while to to go to be officers in the Salvation Army and and do two years in, in residence down there at Sydney. And it's a, it's a college setting, but it's it's very much you, you embark on a Bachelor of Theology or a Master's degree, whatever you're choosing to do, but they have a whole lot of other training around being an officer. So the practicalities of leading teams and you know either leading a church or working with defence service personnel, uh, chaplaincies in the court, um, domestic violence, homelessness. So there's lots of opportunities in the Salvation Army to, to I guess, embark on ministry and mission um, and potentially even overseas if you wanted to yeah mm -hmm. so is that where you're at at the moment are you yeah. ready to embark on something we uh we were we left sydney off to mount isa when we were first appointed so we went from townsville to sydney and off to mount isa and it was great out there great outback experience we had uh, a rehab that we had a chance to connect with a shelter a, a church as well as our friends who are part of the flying service so we were part of that scene for four years and then they um, appointed us to Townsville and we've been here nearly four years now and they're now reappointing us to Brisbane. So we're, we're off to Brisbane next year. Our loss, their gain. Oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely, it's, I think it's mutual. We're going to miss Townsville a lot. Uh, it's home for us. We never expected to be back home. So this has been a nice season for us to connect with family and friends again and be part of the continually evolving ministry that's in Townsville and the work of the Salvos here. Um, but it's certainly excited to go as well. And that's, that's been our heart calling. We, um, we've always thought, um, even though we didn't plan for it, ask for it or expect it, 
um, if we're led to go somewhere, then that's that's our calling, that's our covenant to go where God sends us, basically. Mm. Yeah. And I, I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't aware of the Salvation Army having postings like an army as such. Yeah, it's, um, it's that it, metaphor. I suppose the word army is in the name, but yep. um, I didn't actually think that you were posted out every four yeah, years. Yeah, look, I, I mean, the Salvation Army's history in 1865 with uh, an itinerant pastor, William Booth, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been a key part of the movement, really, that we have officers or people who are just keen to buy into the mission and key to go wherever. Um, so that's our life. The bulk of employees and, and volunteers obviously have a little bit more individual autonomy around um, their location and staying in an employment situation. But officers make that covenantal commitment. What do you see the benefits of that model to move around every four years? Look, for me, it's it's knowing that, um, again, my life is, is not simply my own. Like, I'm called to to serve humanity. I'm called to honour God with my life. And uh, and and so for me, it's, it's it's basically central to my faith, central to who I am. Um, in that journey, yeah, obviously you get diverse experiences and and challenges and um, new new seasons that you hadn't planned or expected. But that builds continual capacity and continual new connections and new opportunities. And yeah, so I, I think it's a it's an, it's an amazing adventure. Mm. Brad, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for all the work you've done in Townsville over the years. We really appreciate your service here. It's a privilege and a blessing. Thank you so much. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.